Keys with it, man! Whoa! He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. Rubbed his bitchy nose. <laughs> yeah. What about to McCullum? Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. I might try and slide one in there. Fast. Yeah! Well, you yeah, called it. Let's run out. Let's run out. Let's come on, Sam. Yeah, no, he's going. Sometimes. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. Uh, this week on the podcast, we'll be covering Supercoach Round 7 and Round 8. And I'll start you off with another good little fact that'll put a little smile on your face for the week. The English cricket team have had over 50 ducks in Test cricket in 2021. Now, I don't know how that stacks up to other years, if it's a record, if it's not even close to record or whatever, but uh, it made me pretty stoked this morning to read that one. So hopefully it does the same for you. Joining us today is a very special guest. He's a regular on the SC Playbook team, uh, but he's been busy with a newborn into the family, but it hasn't stopped him. It is our man, Michael Fish Fisher, who's also sitting in 14th overall in Supercoach BBL. Uh, Fish, congrats on the new bub, mate, and what a start to the season for you. Thanks, Timmy. Yep, flying, mate, those late nights with the bottles, uh, listening to the, the Playbook podcast and <laughs> researching the stats have been paying off. Yeah, mate, absolutely on fire. We've got uh, a few questions for you. So, mate, 14th overall, how are you looking so far this week? Yeah, probably not as good as some of the other double game weeks. I've only got the four on the double this week, which are all Hurricanes players. So I was expecting a bit more wet weather last night, but I did have Matty Renshaw on the field, which is very handy. And yeah, still plenty of players to come, including Mitchie Marsh as captain. So yeah, hopefully you can um, hold or not drop too too far down after this round. Yeah, another fish masterstroke there. Renshaw's going to make a stack of cash. Could get out of hand pretty quickly for people. Strikes another double game week coming up uh, in time. Another man joining us is another regular. It is the one and only Maxi Bryden. Maxi, how are you, mate? G'day, Tim. G'day, Fish. Going well, mate. Uh, 336 overall at the moment, which sounds good, but um, just a bit upset. I've lost 150 places over the last couple of weeks, so... Mate, all things considered, uh, going well and um, really enjoying the test as well this year. Mm, yeah, mate, the Boxing Day test, it's, it's going to be over in three days by the looks of it at the moment, unless someone can dig in for the palms, but uh, looking unlikely at this stage. As for the mighty Kuma Stallions, dropped a little bit into 775th overall. I That Sydney smash game absolutely killed me. Uh, I saw that rain come in, about to plummet down on Western Sydney, I sat Daniel Sams, who got a ton or 99 there, was getting Dan Christian in all weeks, didn't bother trading him in and got someone else. Uh, he went nuts. It was just an absolute horror show, a la the spy the week prior. Uh, but that is super coach. We get that. More importantly, the SC Playbook in-house league are back to number one overall after a couple of good weeks. The spy himself, Matty Broom, have really hit their straps of late. I think all their contributors ranked in the top 1,500, so hopefully we're doing something right there. Um, good stuff there. Hopefully we can keep that up for the season. On today's show, we're going to review the tactics. We're getting around about that midway point of the Supercoach season. Talk about the tactics that have worked for us, that haven't worked for us. We're going to grill Fish, who is absolutely firing at the moment, as we know, and see what's working for him. Uh, we're going to do a stars analysis, who have the round eight double. Uh, so this will be podcast coming into round seven. They are on the round eight double, the next team on that. Drop our regular pods, antipod plays, and then we're also going to take a look into the Hurricanes, who we're looking at holding and selling. 
because they have the round eight bye. They're a pretty popular side this week. I know we're all pretty loaded with them. So the blokes we want to hold on to for the rest of the season, drop our trade skippers for the coming rounds, our social questions and all that business. Boys, let's start with a bit of a tactics review, what we've learned so far this season. Uh, and the big one we want to know about is the man in 14th overall. It is Fish. Fish, mate, what's worked for you so far this season? What hasn't? Give us an insight. Yeah, I guess it was an interesting start of the season, wasn't it, with that Stoinis laid out. That really threw me and probably made about three or four changes in the hour leading up to the first game, which obviously isn't ideal. But what worked out all right was I ended up starting with Couch from the Stars and Kerr from the Sixers. And I also held on to Aaron Finch, sort of knowing that that he'd be back. And when he came back, he was someone I wanted on board. So Couch was pretty much just a guess. uh, But I decided with the early stars, double game week, he was one that I really wanted. Uh, I I thought I'd just take the the chance on him and that paid off. Kerr, I think, playing in a good team, I was happy to take that risk early on as well and, and had that DPP, so that worked pretty well, although he was a pretty early trade-out for me, having made a little bit of cash. And, uh, yeah, probably the, the one who I, I didn't start with was Matt Short, but I picked him up round two anyway, so I was able to correct that pretty quickly. Uh, that, that all kind of meant that I could target round three and round four Double game weeks uh, was when I made my move. That was the Melbourne Stars and the Perth Scorchers big weeks. And probably why that worked best for me was just that they had the most players who I I like for my side. So was really able to load up for those double game weeks. Uh, didn't um, I actually dropped? I think in round two uh, I, I dropped about from about 500th to 1,000th and then came back in round three with that Stars double double game week to 120th and then round four into about 17th and then kind of just held rank with the, the single game week last round. So, yeah, that that's, um, that's how, how it worked. I mean, I've, I've generally, with, with a new baby and stuff like that, I, I've been just keeping it simple uh just just playing for fun all the info that, that you guys have been able to put out has it's been really helpful given i haven't been able to put in the, the same level of research and yeah just that that little bit of luck i guess has paid off uh captains are oh, probably the other thing that that has been key is getting mitch marsh in that week early for his, his century that was, I, I probably, had I had a choice between Colin Munro and Mitch Marsh, I probably would have gone Munro uh, because of the lower break even. But the, the fact that uh, the way I'd structured my side meant that I could load up for those scorches, knowing that they didn't have a buy coming up and had the double game week, uh, meant that I could get Marsh a week early. And he was someone who I knew I'd want for the following weeks. So it was a risk free trade and, and one that really uh, paid off big time. So. That's uh, that's really what's gone well for me so far. Nothing um, nothing too outlandish there, but I'm I'm a relatively relatively conservative type of fantasy and super coach manager. So uh, this season's yeah kind of played into my hands a little bit. Yeah, if hey you, fish. Yeah, um, no, thanks, you fly mate. away, really Matty. Good analysis, though. Thanks, mate. Fish, um, really good analysis. I think of of your start to the season, which has been good, and lots of things have gone right. 
really interested to get your thoughts in terms of that Scorchers double game week and even sorry before that the the Stars double game week and what made Mitch Marsh a must have um, particularly when that meant probably sacrificing bringing an extra star in for their double game week we know that so many people um, playing the doubles are sort of looking at its simplest kind of one in uh, or three in three out um, mm. for those double players, but it seems to have really paid off going early uh, on on those Scorchers guys. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's a case of who you don't get. So I probably forewent a Strikers player in round two in favour of getting, I think, Andre Russell in early as well. So that, that didn't pay off massively, but it, it was just a another kind of fun trade. I thought I'll just I'll take the chance on him. Didn't pay off that week, but because I had the extra stars player, I could get an extra scorches player in the following week. So yeah, the I, I ended up foregoing the strikers because there wasn't enough of them which really took my fancy. Uh, I think I just went with uh, Matt Shorts and uh, one or two others which would have been Rashid Khan no doubt. And then what made Mitch Marsh a must-have for me was, one, his, his form coming into the tournament, batting at three, and two, just knowing that at any point in time he could roll the up the arm over. So I I, uh, I knew that I'd, I'd need him for round four, so could, um, could take the gamble, I guess. Fish, I know I'll speak to you off air briefly about one of these the big decisions that super coaches have every season and it's it's just very hit or miss. It can be the difference between you finishing first or 1,000th. It's chasing these batsmen with high ceilings because we know that you go after them and, you know, the key guys we look at here are, are someone like an Alex Hales, maybe a Chris Lynn who, you know, they get a dark band out with basically zero points, but they are the differential that can win you a super coach season. And we've seen a few big individual scores thus far in the current BBL campaign. Where do you sit on that? And are you leaning more and have had you, have you had success chasing these bats and with high upsides? Or as you said, being a more conservative fancy player, have you targeted the, the safety all-rounders maybe batting at five and bowling two overs? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely love an all-rounder for, the, for that reason. And they're, they're usually far more enjoyable to watch because you know that you've got that backup in the second innings if they fail. But I think this season in particular, we're probably going to see the most number of centuries in any BBL season, the way it's tracking. So uh, with the likes of of Munro firing with with his century and McDermott last night, I I definitely am leaning towards the the upside chasing. Uh, It's... A real challenging one to pick. So I think if you can do it around a double game week, that takes a little bit of the, the risk out of it. But certainly if you can find the matchup, and I think Maxie's done some great analysis on this as to who's scoring the most points against different teams and your likes of your, your renegades and, and Heat are usually a fair chance of conceding a fair amount of runs, then... I think the way this season's going, that that could well be the deciding factor. I mean, McDermott last night with 175, they're, they're points which uh, obviously you can't get back. And I'm oh, sorry, Maxie, I know you didn't bring him in. Uh, so <laughs> it's probably, probably uh, 
the salt to the, the wound for that one. But, yeah, I, I think if you can target a matchup, I, I would definitely do it. I, it hasn't paid off for me at times. Like, for example, with Colin Munro, I, I went him after his century and thinking that uh, he could continue that form. I also think we'll probably talk a little bit today about middle order versus top order, but the top order batsmen really do have a higher upside just because of the ability to bat more overs. So I think we've seen centuries so far pretty much all come from the top three, so it's hard to see much coming below that unless there's a couple of early wickets, of course, but that that's who I'd be targeting. Hey, Fish, thanks for... Um mentioning McDermott. Hopefully we don't have to talk about him again many more times um, this pod. <laughs> but um, I, I just wanted to ask, and it's, I think you've got some really, really fantastic um, analysis and I I think what sounds really good is that you've, you've got a solid process to follow in, in how you're choosing players. But I, I'd love to ask you, even though I know it's very early doors, do you have, is there any regrets? Has there, has there been any mistakes that you've made so far that you'd love to have your time again I know we're only six rounds in, but um, would love to know if there's anything you've stuffed up so far. Yeah, well, probably the two things that come to mind is I I did like Matt Short to start because of his role, but I, I didn't really back myself in there. So I would have liked to have, have done that. Uh, didn't end up costing me too much in the end, fortunately. Uh, the other thing is probably just... I think yesterday I definitely could have been a bit more patient in waiting for that heat game and, and maybe seeing what the weather was doing and, and holding a trade to look at that uh, because I do regret now missing the opportunity to get a, a lean or a, a steckity in. Uh, so, again, they're points that um, I'm not going to be able to get back. So, yeah, there, there are a couple of learnings for me so far. I really like fish that you mentioned uh, the fact that you have played fairly conservatively thus far, you mentioned that you went a few blokes before their double game week, particularly Guns who have gone well for you, a.k.a. Mitch Marsh. I think it's very important for super coaches to know that to win Supercoach and to be among the top-ranked overall coaches, you don't have to have pods in your team as such or big anti-pod plays. Um, I, I feel like there's this train of thought that to win it, you have to have these sort of guys in your team, these unique players. But you really don't. I mean, Fish has shown, shown now that he's 14th overall playing fairly conservatively. Uh, when I finished second in NRL two years back, there was a few pods in there, of course, a few anti-pod plays. But all in all, it was a pretty conservative sort of approach I took to this season. Uh, so I think I think the main point to get across is, is that if you're going for a pod, don't do it for the sake of getting a unique player to, to jump rankings. Do it because you like them as a player and you think they can do it. Um, it's a very important note. Maxi, what about yourself, mate? Um, I said almost midway through the season. What have you found so far? What's worked for you uh, and anything that you've sort of learnt this season tactical-wise? Yeah, thanks, Timmy. Um, I think I was really happy with my start. I obviously went really big on the doubles. I think I had eight um, in that first um, double game week that had both the sixes and the heat. Um, and it did sound, it did seem like a lot. And I was ranked 150th, and um, you know, had had a lot of the right players. I think the only issue with that was um, we've seen probably unlike any other year that I can remember um, that it's really really hard to find a keeper. Um, some mm. of these guys that uh, have just been 
anchors year after year, the, the Currens, the, the Dan Sams, the Rashid Khans, the Glenn Maxwells, the guys that you get in your team and then they're absolutely set and forget. You know, you VC them um, on rotation. Um, it's been really, really hard to, to kind of um, find those players this season. And I think that that's probably why I've been pretty stagnant and have started to drop. Um, my team was set up to have several of them, probably about four of them um, from round one or two, um, and then really kind of play the doubles quite conservatively. But um, it's that's that's been sort of the, the biggest lesson. And I think um, not probably cottoning on enough to just the sheer amount of points that were being scored by some of the clubs like the Scorchers, for example, um, and not going early enough on them ahead of their double game week. Um, that's they're, they're probably the lessons I will learn. Um, as much as it's been fantastic to try and um, predict 11s and predict roles, very quickly having a punt and trusting your gut on the good teams, knowing that the highest scoring teams are the teams that score, that take the most wickets and score the most runs, which, you know, so obviously has been the scorches this year and sort of just behind them in the sixes. Um, that's that's probably the big lesson. But look, I, I say all this. It sounds like I'm very frustrated. I'm still in 330th, and yeah. if, if I had done some of it, if I had done some of those things, and um, you know, I'd be I'd be up where where fish is. So um, I'm I'm not far off. But it's um, look, that's that's why we love this game because we can we can take these lessons and um, and, and and record them and hopefully we um, you know, fix them this season. And if not, take them to the next. That's it, mate. You're in a good position and still very much in the hunt overall. Hey, guys, if you are after the SC Playbook subscription package, we've had a price drop, $15 for the remainder of the Big Bash season. Uh, get your extra content each and every single round of Supercoach. Uh, $40 for the full SC Playbook package, which gives you access to the Big Bash season, NRL and AFL, which is coming in 2022. Fellas, let's move on to the Melbourne Stars who have the double in round eight. Uh, so round seven coming up, there are no teams on the double, no teams on the buy, so it's an open round, which is exciting. Uh, but the Stars are an important one because they do have a lot of very relevant super coach players. And there is a little bit of a change in the guard because Dr. Dre, Dre Russ, has played his final game for the Stars this tournament. Um, I'll start with you, Maxi. How does Dre out affect, affect the rest of the lineup? Uh, because he's pretty key. He's batting around that sort of five-six spot, uh, bowling anywhere from sort of two to four overs, bowling some key overs at times as well. Who are, I suppose, more so the winners than the losers out of Dre Russ leaving? And at the stars, who are the guys that you're keen on for the double? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question, Timmy. And I've been thinking a lot about this, just trying to just trying to figure out what they'll try and replace. Obviously, um, and most practically, Harris Ralph will come straight in. Um, but kind of what do they do with that number five slot in their batting order is probably the big question. I'd say that the biggest loser out of this would be one of the cheapies who's been definitely top five so far this season would be Brody Crouch. Um, he's done enough to, to to hold his space in the in the side couch. Also, I don't know why everyone calls him Crouch all the time. It just sort of it seems <laughs> like he should be a Crouch, but it's definitely Couch. Um, but he's uh, he's been fantastic opening the bowling bowling death, um, and, and it's a role that they desperately needed at the club. Um, but I do think that that's a role that Harris Ralph can come in and play. Um, but it should just be a matter now of Couch most likely sharing that role um, as opposed to kind of owning that as he has. Um, probably the big winner, I would say, would be Adam Zampa. Now, Zampa has been incredibly underwhelming by the high standards that he set 
for himself, um, not only in Big Bad season, seasons past, um, but also in the World Cup. Um, he was team of the tournament. And a guy who started this season uh, at, I think, around $160,000 in Supercoach. And very a lot of people expected that price to jump um, with consistent performances. But just because they haven't had that death bowling quick, that, that second guy um, alongside Coulton Isle and, and even Couch at times, um, Zampa's been bowling in the power play. And Zampa's been bowling death. And... I was had a look at his figures last night. I think he had one for 36 from his four overs. He took a wicket with his final ball. You look at those figures and they're really poor by Zampa's standards. You know, we expect this guy to be taken two for 24 every game. But they're, they're excellent in terms of the role that he's playing within that game. Now, the good thing is, is I don't think he will keep up that role. So I would expect that his economy rate will get better, which means more points. I think he'll probably be able to take more wickets as well through the middle overs with the pressure that Harris Rout will take. So they're the biggest winners and losers um, from the stars as well. Um, mm. I think when it comes to, to any double game week as well, it's just really important to look at the draw, the matchups, and even the games before and after. Now, the tough thing for the Melbourne Stars is that leading into this double game week, we've got a single game week, and they actually take on the Perth Scorchers, who are the most frugal team in the competition in terms of giving up Supercoach points. Um, they also score more Supercoach points than any other team. They're undefeated so far this season, and it's going to take something really, really special for the team in Melbourne to beat them. Um, so it's tough to go early, early on the Melbourne Stars knowing that they've got a tough game. The good thing is that straight after their clash, they've got four absolute beauties. Um, and so they might be a club that you could consider holding. They immediately play the Strikers twice. They've got the Renegades and then the Heat in their four games. The two games in the double of so-so as well. They've got the Renegades, which is a favourable matchup, and the Scorchers again. So look, they're a really, really tough team um, to pin down on the double. Um, but kind of immediately my sort of thoughts are trying to probably um, wait as late as possible on bringing them in um, and probably getting uh, three guys in that round that you can look to play for the next five rounds, um, if possible as well, just knowing that they've got some good matchups. Mm, terrific insight there, mate, as usual. And the good thing is that we do get this single game week to have a look at how... Uh, Max, you're expecting Harris Ralph to play the upcoming game? Yeah, absolutely. He flew in with Shadab Khan, um, who was um, almost set to go for the Sydney Sixers in that smash game. Um, he was waiting on the final results from a COVID uh, <coughs> PCR test that were um, came in. You know, we saw those scenes. He was almost going to be X-factored into the game. Um, I'd say Ralph is on the same timeline. Um, and the only caveat that you need to keep an eye on for those two players are that there may be some border restrictions preventing them from leaving New South Wales and entering some particular states. Um, given that they they flew in. So um, that was the only reason I could think of that Ralph wasn't listed to play last night. might have been that it was in Queensland and then there might have been a tighter restriction given that he only arrived in the country three days ago. Um, But look, otherwise he should be ready to go. Um, Their game um, in, uh, I'm just looking at the draw, Marvel Stadium, they're playing Perth in, in round one of round seven. Um, and then their games in round eight on the double, um, they've got Perth um, and they're playing the Renegades and both of those games are in Victoria as well. So he should be sweet to go. Yeah. Well, last night they would have had their allotment of uh, internationals in there. They would have had Clark, Case Ahmed and Big Dreyra. So he probably couldn't play for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Fair enough. Beauty. Hey, 
so yeah, the point is though, we we get a single game week to look at these stars and and see how his arrival and uh, Dre Russ leaving, how that's going to impact the the certain roles of potential Supercoach players. So we do get a bit of a look at them. As Maxi mentioned, it's a tough matchup against the Scorchers anyway. Um, so the, the other thing on top of that, a lot of us already own the likes of Stoinis, Maxwell. You know, a lot may have held on to an Adam Zampa. Um, so you don't need to go berserk this week, trading stars in early. We can get a look at them, uh, and then there'll be three trades utilised ahead of that round eight. Fish, what about yourself, mate? Who are the blokes you like, dislike at the stars? Uh, and probably two blokes to focus on. Marcus Stoinis, still at pretty decent ownership, 30%. Uh, again, in terms of zombie super coaches out there who aren't playing actively, among active super coaches, that ownership is probably a lot higher. Stoinis is going to be sub 100K. So despite his form not being great, you nearly have to have him, I think. And the other one that intrigues me a little bit is Joe Clark, who finally hit a bit of form last night with a man of the match performance. Uh, he's going to have a very low break even when lockout ends. Uh, is Clark a guy that just interests you? And what about the rest of the Stars lineup? Yeah, they're probably the two that interest me most for the coming around because of value and break-evens. I think Stoinis will probably still have a pretty high break-even, so he could potentially wait a week if, if you want Clark. Next week's probably the, the one to do it or, or this uh, coming around before the Stars double. So I definitely think, yeah, th- those two because with a single game week for me, it's an opportunity for some cash generation or to get some some bargain players so I will definitely be looking at those two I, I can't see myself going into the double game week without storeness at, at the price I mean ideal world I'll be able to have a look at him with an emergency loop given he uh, hasn't been in the, the best of form but he's someone I, I want to slot in uh, the, the rest of the lineup I think it's it's quite interesting the the Zampa role and it, it will be fascinating to see how Harris Rolf affects that because at the moment just looking at the stats it, it looks like teams are going after Quase Ahmed instead and Zampa's just being played out, which has seemed to work pretty effectively for most teams. I mean, it, even I, I think a lot of the time Zampa probably hasn't got the economy bonus. So the, he, he's being used, as Maxi said, at, at different times to tighten the screws and, and probably not the ideal times for a for a spinner. So if that changes with Ralph's arrival, then by all means Zampa is, is absolute value again. But if it doesn't, I think a case can be made for Ahmed instead uh, as the spinner, which teams seem to be going after more. Mate, I mean, he's not a guy that interests me, but you two boys I know have mentioned a few times, middle-order batsmen, and I know we've pretty got this hard-line stance against basically picking anyone that bats below four. But there's a bloke by the name of Hilton Cartwright. You might remember him. Played for Australia once or twice there. He's in some serious form at the moment. Went berserk last night. He came off a 61-pointer in round five. He's going to have – it'll be a negative break even and then some. Batting likely at five, not rolling the arm over at all. Is there any enticement there for you, Fish, with Hilton Cartwright? Only, only as a real differential – if there's not enough other options around for, for some reason, then 
yeah, I, I could could go there, but I'd want to ship him straight in and straight out. Uh, the, the other thing I've noticed about Cartwright is he always seems to get those outfield catches, so that gives him a really nice bump in score. But uh, I, I could take a short-term gamble with it, but uh, I'd, I'd also be inclined to look elsewhere in a team like the Stars where there's, mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of other options. There's some risk that Marcus Stoinis may get arrested at some stage. I know he didn't get arrested over the Christmas period because he couldn't get back to WA. We saw Zampi get arrested, and traditionally the Stars are happy to give their big-name guns, particularly in the batting lineup because they have so much depth, arrested at times. However, as I said, when he's going to be sub-100K, I just don't think you can justify not picking him, even if he was, say, ruled out for the first game and was to play the second game. Boys, a name that neither of you mentioned who is high on my radar this week uh, is Nathan Coulter-Nile, who is getting back to a price that I, a more accurate price. He started the season at something like 185, 190K, and we all sort of agreed during the preseason that he was arguably overpriced. He's going to be around about that one sort of 30K mark when lockout ends. He's bowling key overs for the Stars. He hasn't really featured with the blade too much this season or made any impact, but we know he can hit a ball in that bit of a pinch-hitting role. Whether or not he gets more of a pinch-hitting role with big Dre Russ gone now, we'll find out. But, Maxi, is there any love for Coulter Nile? Because I'm a big fan and, and I'm considering going a week early on him. Yeah, I, I think it's a really, really good shout. He's, a, he's another guy who's likely to benefit by just having um, another big angry quick alongside him to, to bowl some of those tough overs. Um, and quite often what we see um, is that the leading wicket-takers or the highest wicket-takers in some of these teams, um, they might not necessarily be that frontline bowler, but the person who can benefit from the pressure that the frontline bowler builds. Um, and when you put Zampa in a better role, bowling a more traditional spinner um, role, when you've got Harris-Ralph there taking the new ball, um, there's every chance that NCN can get back and show some of that form that he had last year and why he was such a premium price. And I think it's, it is a really good call out as well, just with his batting. Um, there's every chance now that he's number seven um, in this team with um, everyone taking one step up in, in the batting ranks. So he is a, he's a huge watch. Uh, and I think particularly, again, just with those really good matchups that the club have following the double game week, he's the type of guy who could get on a run um, like all of these stars team, um, and uh, I think he's he, he's definitely a good watch. Uh, another guy that I think is worth talking about as well is um, is just Clark and um, Fish mentioned the break even. I think next week is a week that you can get on him. Um, what we're seeing more and more in this tournament, particularly with batters, is that because of this tournament play and games are happening every other day for some of these clubs, um, if you can get on a guy who is in good form. Um, then you can really, really benefit um, and potentially even watch as these guys get out of reach for other players. Ben McDermott is the prime example. Uh, missed the start of the tournament for the Hurricanes, um, then came in, had a, had a half century, had a failure, had a half century. Now he's got a ton. Um, he entered the double game week for the Hurricanes um, as their basically most expensive premium option at about 168k and he's probably going to be over 200k by the time that his double ends um, and going to be well out of reach for anyone else and um, some of these guys like uh, Clark given his, the form that he's shown in the last two games with two half centuries he's certainly a guy to, to look at ahead and um, potentially a really good loop guy for, for people who have um, had jilks for the whole season or potentially even looking to upgrade the Harry Nielsen um, at their wicketkeeper spot. 
Yep, good shout there, mate. Coulton Isle, which I couldn't believe, is 2% ownership, particularly after the fact that they played a uh, a double earlier in the season. I thought a few more might have opened, but 2% ownership astounds me. Uh, in terms of buying, if you're looking at your squad going, gee, I'm struggling for money a little bit. I've got a few non-active players. Uh, as Maxi touched on there, Clark is the one who's going to have the negative break-even. If you are keen on him, probably better off going earlier on him. Coulton Isle is going to have a pretty high break-even. So in that regard, and maybe having a look at the new roles in the side, you know what Clark's going to do. Coulton Isle potentially changes a little bit uh, with Ralph. Um, so just wanted to keep an eye on there. Uh, Fish, any other thoughts at the Stars? Yeah, just one on Coulton Isle. Looking at their double, so they play Sunday afternoon at 2.30 and then Monday night at quarter past six. So just over a 24-hour turnaround with, I mean, T20 and being an afternoon game, you'd hope that most can back up, but I think Coulton Isle could be at risk there. Mm. And if uh, if Stoinis is at risk, probably resting as well, that could also be a factor. So, yeah, there is uh, some caution around that for me. Yep, fair play there. As we said, especially if Couch was potentially a very unlucky one out for one or two games, uh, pretty easy rotation option there with Coulton Isle with his injury history. Uh, fellas, let's move on to our pod and antipod plays for the week. Max, you'll start with you. What have you come up with? Pod play for me, guys. Shadab Khan from the Sydney Sixers. Now, um, looking at the stats, he's owned by 15 people right now, not 15%, 15. Um, and that's <laughs> not just because he's just entered the game. Um, Bat Bowl, 148.5K for the Sydney Sixers. Um, I really like the DPP flexibility that he gets. He'll bowl his four overs um, and he will bat seven. I think he'll bat uh, just behind Dan Christian at a good club. Um, the good thing with the Sixers is that they've got a really, really nice draw coming up. Um, he plays the Brisbane Heat in this round, round six, and then he's got Melbourne Renegades and the Brisbane Heat again in round eight. So two teams that he should um, beat up pretty comfortably. Uh, they do have a couple of tough games then against the Scorchers, but then they've got another one against the Renegades. So um, we know that we, we love a leg spinner. Um, he's, a, he's a proven wicket taker. you just got to see his stats, and I think that he could be um, a really, really juicy guy. Um, a guy that I'm anti-potting is Aaron Finch. Um, and I think that, you know, it's probably not that much of a surprise. Uh, he, he came in um, absolutely shot out of a gun um, as a 62.5K rookie uh, with a huge score against the Perth Scorchers. Um, but then he, he really quickly came back down to earth in his second game for the Renegades. Um, might even be injured and not able to play. But look, so many people were quick to, to, quick to jump on him and put him on field. Um, last round after he started hot, but um, someone that I'm going to steer clear on just because uh, I just I've been burnt so many times before mm. with these guys who bat and don't bowl, and uh, pretty happy to avoid. Yep, fair play, fish. Pod for me would be if he's playing Kane Richardson. I think his role at the moment with the Renegade is bowling in the power surge. I think he usually opens with the ball and and bowls death as well. So. Maximum opportunity for wickets. Gun of seasons gone past. Only concern with him is playing in that Renegades team. If if he ends up with a small total to defend, it it really impacts his points potential. But uh, yeah, averaging a tick under seventy. So uh, when he is back, he's someone who's well on my radar. Uh, Antipod for me probably at this point 
I'd say Adam Zampa. I think he's I, – I still want to see more from him before I, I jump on. So if uh, it turns out that things change in the next game, that, that could quickly change for me. But otherwise, I think I'll be happy to let him go through to the keeper. Yep. For me, there is – I think Maxi may have had him in his play a week or two ago, but – Mahmood at the Thunder, who I think looks exceptional and he's very low ownership. But the one I did want to highlight is a guy I currently own, and I couldn't believe when I was looking at the ownership stats, but Tymel Mills is still only at 5.5% ownership. I thought being in a red-hot scorcher side who had that double a few weeks back, because he struggled in the double round, lots of people jumped off him, but he's averaging over 50. No luck in that double, hence why his average is probably a little bit further down than it would be otherwise. But I think time at 5.5% ownership, the Scorchers have the double coming up in round nine. Um, get him on, onto him early. I think he's a fairly low break even, so I think he's a great play. And in terms of an antipod play, with the form that Mitch Marsh is in and the fact that he's bowling three to four overs and bowling very well, he's just going to be such a set-and-forget skipper for like any serious super coach, particularly on these single game weeks such as round seven. There's an opportunity to go one of these high upside guys like Dan Sams or Glenn Maxwell, who also bowled four overs last night, um, and go against Marsh. It'll be nerve-wracking, and, and Marsh is the obvious skipper, but because he'll be so highly skippered, I think there's a massive antipod play there. Guys, if you are a bit of a punter and don't mind a little dabble, check out topsport.com.au. We've been targeting these ripper play performance, fancy-based markets, basically the exact same as Supercoach BBL. 20 points per week at one point per run, 10 points per catch, all that mumbo-jumbo. Uh, and just like Supercoach, you target blokes with rolls, the death bowlers, the all-rounders, etc., and they give you a points over-under that you have to try and get right. Uh, if you rate yourself half-right at Supercoach, you'll be in your element with it. Uh, they've also offered SC Playbook. There's unique markets, which we'll get up in the next day or two again. Same game multiplayer performance, uh, which are really, really good. You'll only get them with Top Sport. So if you are keen to check it out, use the code SC Playbook if linking up. 18 plus only and gamble responsibly. Uh, a few plays for tonight's game. I'm going that man from before, Mitchie Marsh, over 45.5 points at $1.90. And my other boy, Time or Mills, over 20.5 at $2.25, which I think is really, really good odds. Boys, our last topic of the podcast, and we won't spend too much time on it before we get to our trades and skippers, but it is the Hobart Hurricanes. Now, very highly owned at the moment because I think people avoided the heat for this round's double for a number of reasons. The Hurricanes had all these guns like Wade, McDermott, Short, um, Nathan Ellis, a few others. So I think people are going to be pretty heavy on Hurricanes players. There's a lot that are pretty high value, and they also have the buy in round eight. So we've got to move a few of them on. What I want to know is who are the Hurricanes players that you will be holding on to and who are the ones that you'll definitely be selling? Yeah, I will. I think at this point in time, it's pretty hard to sell McDermott in the form that he's in. So, and the elevation to opener really cements that for me. So, I'll ride that wave as, as long as I can. Uh, Matty Wade. I think is probably dispensable at this point for the same reason. I, I, I'd prefer to stay with the player in form. I've got uh, Darcy Short and Nathan Ellis also. So of those two, I'd probably be most inclined to hold Darcy Short because he has the dual positioning and uh, still getting those couple of overs with the ball. I'm also hoping that the move to three may actually work out for him if it 
it, it seems to take a bit of time to get in. So if you can do that and then find his straps during a power surge sometime, uh, could see him take off. So I'd like to give him as long as I possibly can uh, to, to find form. So probably the two who I like holding on to are McDermott and Short for my side. Fish, which way... Uh, sorry, boys. Which way are you shaping at the moment, Maxi? Um, it's, it's a weird one because there's such an antipod opportunity in Darcy Short selling Darcy Shorty. I think he's at around fifty percent ownership. His role's uncertain. His form is questionable. But while he's been sort of out of touch with the bat and not looked comfortable at all, he's still scoring runs at a pretty poor strike rate. But super coach wise, that doesn't matter too much. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, he's a he's a really tough one, and, and thankfully I'm not in that conundrum myself um, as an owner. But I think what I would be considering is that um, he's a good guy at his value to trade out to a high price double candidate um, for the next double. He's certainly a guy that you can play in next week's single. And looking ahead to the draw, Hobart and the single game round have got a really nice matchup against the Brisbane Heat um, after the bye as well. They've got another really good matchup against the Strikers and then their doubles there. So um, you, I think you could flip him potentially to to someone from the Stars for that double game week, maybe a Harris-Ralph, um, and then look to even bring him bring him back if he does sort of show those glimpses of form. But yeah, it feels weird sort of talking about Darcy Short and not sort of saying he's a season-long keeper, but I guess that's just the season that we use. I think in my team personally, I've got four Hobart Hurricanes. Um, I've got the three quicks, Ellis, Meredith, Rogers, and Matty Wade. Um, I'd be pretty comfortable selling Matt Wade, just knowing that he's probably going to lose cash uh, and, and doesn't have a great break even. Um, and then I think I've liked what I've seen so far from Meredith in his return to form, and he'll make me some cash. Uh, so it'll probably just be between Ellis and Rogers. Who else will leave my team as well? Mm, terrific get on Meredith there. I know the spy jumped on him as well. Uh, and he was absolutely flippant last night speaking to him about it. Boys, it's a little hard to do this far out, but let's take a look at our trades and our skippers for round seven and eight. Fish, I'll start with you, mate. Who are the blokes on your way out of your side and who are the blokes coming in? Yeah, sure. So I'll do my best for the, the two rounds, but I think probably Nathan Ellis, Matt Wade, Aaron Finch, probably all on their way out, potentially next round. And I'll look at Stoinis and Clark from the Stars. Uh, then depending on how the Sixers game goes. I'll have a couple. I look at a couple of their players as well. Uh, Shadab Khan, as, as Maxi mentioned, is definitely on the radar. Sean Abbott as well on the on the radar. I think uh, the following rounds, I'll hopefully then just lock in a couple of those stars for the the double game. Harris Ralph, I'd say, will most likely be coming in uh, potentially with one of the the leg spinners, Emperor Ahmed. And uh, then I may also look ahead to the following double game week uh, with the strikers and scorchers and go early on one of their uh, their players. Um, that, of course, means that I'm going to have to trade some more players out and uh, I'm struggling at this point to work out who that's going to mm. be. So, But that, that's my loose planning at this point in time. Yeah, the trade-outs are particularly tough uh, at this stage. You can sort of get a rough idea of who you want in, but trading out two rounds in event can be a little bit tough. And what about your skippers for the next two rounds, mate? Round seven being a single game week and then round eight obviously being the stars on the double. 
Yeah, so just looking ahead to round seven, um, Scorchers play the first game of the round, which uh, rules out the, the VC loop for me with that being Connolly for my side, uh, the 42k Scorchers. So I'd say it'll be Mitch Marsh, straight C, uh, Maxi Wolves, oh, Glenn Maxwell also playing in that game, uh, which could be a, a differential option, as you said, but hard to go past Marsh at this point. And, uh, yeah, then the following round, probably pretty vanilla as well with, with Glenn Maxwell. Uh, I may take the chance to, no, I won't take, I won't VC Lucan because again, they're Perth are playing in the first game of the round. So yeah, probably going to be pretty vanilla in terms of my skippers for the next two. Nothing wrong with vanilla, mate. Not a bad thing at all. Maxi, what about you? Uh, thanks, Timmy. Um, I think my skippers are going to be pretty similar, um, for seven and eight, albeit, um, just learning the hard way on uh, Matty Wade, VC, that um, it's always good to have a bowler, um, at least who can score a couple of points. So it might have a look at Harris Ralph for the Stars double game week in round eight. Um, in terms of trade-outs after round six, I've got a bit of dead wood to move on. Um, George Garton um, just really has come back to earth after starting um, red hot for the Adelaide Strikers. And I know that they've got a kind of double coming up, but he's about to bleed a lot of cash, uh, the left arm quick. And um, I'm not sure when the English contingent is also leaving for one of their one-day series, but he's got to go. Um, Guthrie as well um, could become a loop option, but he's probably going to be about 110k on my bench. So I think he has to go. And then one of the Hobart quicks, whoever's probably got the highest break even between um, Ellis, Rogers, and, and Meredith will have to go. Um, Trade-in targets for next round. Um, definitely looking at Shadab Khan. Um, probably looking at Clark as well, just to get another keeper option um, available. And then I, I might look at someone cheap uh, as well from one of the teams coming up with a double. So maybe Adelaide it could be like a Matt Renshaw, who we know is going to have a big negative break even after a couple of good scores to start his season, um, or even someone um, from from Perth, just just depending on how their teams their teams looking. Um, and then for the double as well, for the stars, look, I've already got Glenn Maxwell and, and Marcus Stoinis, and they won't go anywhere between now and then. Um, I'll definitely have a look at Ralph Zampa um, and potentially someone else, but I'll um, I'll have to do this, the sums again. Hopefully, um, you know, everyone's best mate, Matt Short, can find some form again ahead of his round nine. He's got two games coming up against the Sydney Thunder, so... Um, if he can show some good form in a single game week, maybe just going early on him again, just given that his role um, is okay, could could be the way to go. But um, yeah, look, I think I think just well, I keep just learning and, and trying to reflect that Perth have done so well in this whole season. Um, they're a really really strong team. Even though I just got rid of Tamal Mills um, for that round eight double with the Stars, given I've already got two, if I bring in one this week and I'll only need one or two uh, the following week and could go early on a guy like Mills again or um, or on a tie into my squad. Yep. And what about your skippers, mate? Are you thinking vanilla with Marsh round seven, Maxi round eight? Or I know, I know you're a little bit anti-Maxi, more than most, uh, your namesake. <laughs> yeah, just because he's burnt me so much before. <laughs> I had him – I had – I went – I went a single game week. This was a shocker. I, I put the VC on Matt Short in the first game, just thinking that um, he might go really big against the Brisbane Heat uh, and how poor they had been. And he was looking amazing when he hit his first two rocks for, for six, um, but then was out in the, sort of in the same over for four, 14 or four. 
Um, and then I ended up having to skip a Glenn Maxwell, and I think he got 23, which included <laughs> a catch um, and, and a couple of dot balls. He didn't really trouble the scorers. So um, I could look at him, but uh, again, I, I think I might just need to play it safe. Even Wade's burnt me this round, um, putting the VC on a batter. So um, might look at a Harris Ralph. But look, I think round seven, there's going to be a lot of straight skippers on Mitch Marsh. And I don't really see any other matchups or have any other players that I think are in his kind of form that, that could be trusted as much as him right now. Um, but the good thing is, is that we get a bit of a um, – uh, that'll be the second game in 24 hours on Marvel Stadium, the start of round seven. Uh, the final game of this current round, um, Renegades versus Hobart's at Marvel, and then round seven, Perth versus the Melbourne Stars at Marvel. So, um you know, if, if that pitch is playing tricks uh, for that final game of this round, then there's not much time for them to fix it ahead of the Perth game. So could be potentially a little chance to antipod that. But again, I'm in the same boat really with my looper and Cooper. Uh, unless Guthrie gets dropped and I don't trade him out, which I don't see myself doing, then um, it'll it'll have to be um, it'll have to be on Marsh. Yep. Uh, quick shout out to Guthrie, who I also own put up one of the all-time stinker bowling performances last night, two for 70, economy <laughs> of 17.5. Uh, the poor bugger, he's a quality, gifted, quick, very economical generally, but a bit of inexperience showed for the poor bugger, and he just got taken to town. But in Supercoach land, we don't really care about too many stats, as long as there's a couple of wickets next to his name, which there was, a couple of catches, I think. Uh, dished out about 58 points. He's about 300 to one to get picked for the second game, the double, but we'll take it with a 58-pointer from Guthrie and a bit more money from him. Uh, on Guthrie, he will be coming out of my side. Ellis will be going. Nicky Maddinson, who was my alternative to uh, Dan Christian when the Sydney Smash was supposedly going to get bashed by rain. Uh, when he peaks in price, a bit of money to be made there still, he'll be going out unless he scores a good score. Matty Short, Gilkton, Agar, probably the other three to go, pending what Matty Short does in coming time. Coming in, I want Coulter Nile, still eyeing off Dan Christian, although you, I think we may have missed the boat there. Uh, and then I'm looking at Khan as well over at the Strikers because I'm sick of not having him in my side. Zampa, Abbott, and then possibly another cheapie. I did sell Josh Philippi. Uh, I cashed him in with that break even of about 190, so I'll need to get him back in when he bottoms out in price. Hopefully not for a few rounds, but that's going to be a pretty scary watch. I'll throw one at you, fellas. We, we, we're all in the same boat, and most super coaches are in the sense that Connolly is our loop option, meaning we've only got one crack at skipper next round. A guy, another loophole in Supercoach that I haven't been able to utilize, and I don't think many people have been able to, is the AE, the auto emergency bench loop uh, for the wicketkeeper spot. I'm pretty happy to get rid of Matty Gilks, although I quite rate him as a cricketer. Get rid of Gilks in this single game round. I've already got, uh, what have I got? Two, two stars in my team, so set up okay for that double. Get rid of Gilks for Baxter Holt as to be able to implement that AE loop. Even in round seven, I'll get two cracks at captain when most won't. What are your thoughts on that, Fish? Yeah, I like it, especially if you can hold off on making that trade until the VC has already played. So that way you may not go through with it. You, you can wait and see uh, if you, you want to still do your, your straight C and, and hold the trade or, or something mm. like that. Uh, exactly. I also right. just wanted to quick. I also just wanted to quickly acknowledge uh, Maxie's Cooper the Looper quip, uh, given my dad jokes are in full swing at the moment. <laughs> 
I think um, it's, it's a good shout as well, Timmy. Um, I think on the just on the on the looping as well. Another guy that you could potentially look at. He won't help you out much in um, rounds uh, seven and eight. Would be um, the man from the Melbourne Stars, um, Seb Gotch. So um, round seven and eight, the Stars play rounds uh, games number one. Um, but after that, he's got a dream draw. Um, game number five, game number four, game number four, game number three, game number four. Um, so he could be a guy, particularly in a single game week, where if you're not doing much um, with your team, um, you could get him in. He's probably the like-for-like price-wise with mm. Harry Nielsen at the moment. Um, just knowing Nielsen's just had another shocker since he's been moved down to six. It, it, maybe he, um, he's, he's actually... Might be cheaper than the than uh, Nielsen. Um, so sorry, than 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 Seb Gotch, but um, certainly another way you can go about it, and, and a decent tactic for a single game week. Um, that was really really critical for me last year in maintaining my good rank was having multiple people to to loop. And um, unfortunately, uh, um, old mate Looper Connolly, um, <laughs> he is about to become just a little bit irrelevant just with their tough old draw for the rest of the season. Yeah. There you go. So good shout on Gotch playing the later round. So he's probably the better alternative to Holt and the fact that he definitely won't be playing. Uh, but it's really annoyed me not having that loop at keeper. I kind of wish I started the season with Gotch there. Uh, but I think there is an opportunity to do that now, particularly with the captaincy situation. Fellas, let's jump into a couple of quick questions from our socials and then we'll wrap it up. First one from Rex. He asks, when is the overall competition highest points winner determined? Is it after the end of the minor round, i.e. round 13 or after the grand final? Uh, that is after, prior to Supercoach Big Bash Finals. Um, so, sorry, Big Bash Finals. So Supercoach Big Bash Finals, the head-to-head stuff, that keeps going through. But the overall highest point is at the end of the, the Supercoach season, uh, at, which is the end of head-to-head finals. Next question from Maddie Gibson. Apart from Maxi, there were a few high-priced duds last double game week for the Stars. Do we trust the likes of Zampa, Stoinis, and NCN to come good this time around? Which is followed up from a question from Luke Richo who says, great question. I'm considering bypassing Stars double game weekers apart from Maxi for the Scorchers and Strikers options in prep for the round after who are on the double. Uh, it's, a, it's a great couple of questions there. And Maxi, I'll start with you. What do you reckon? Is there an opportunity to bypass a few of these Stars, go a bit of the antipod play for the more preferred, I suppose, Scorchers in particular? Absolutely, there is. Um, and it's certainly a tactic that's worked really well so far to start the season um, with anyone who bypassed the Stars the first time around and went early on the Scorchers. We even saw, um, you know, we, we've seen it in the double so many times. Like, think think back to the Adelaide Strikers, their, their double game week. They had a really, really good matchup against the um, Melbourne Renegades and, and all their blokes scored highly. You know, uh, bowlers were on 70 points like Dan Worrell. Um, and then they, they ended their next game against the... Um, Perth Scorchers and they were still on 70 points because Colin Munro went berserk. The whole team, I think, took one wicket the whole innings and um, it, it was um, it was really, really tough. Um, the Stars could do exactly the same thing. They've got those same teams, the Renegades and Scorchers, in their double game week. Um, the one thing I do like, however, about the Melbourne Stars this time around is that, um, firstly, their price. Their prices are significantly reduced than the, all the rates that we were paying for them um, in round three to start the season. Um, guys like Marcus Stoinis, Adam Zampa, um, they're as cheap as you will ever get them. Um, and I think that particularly anyone like Zampa, for example, who um, his role will slightly change, he, he, he could be worth a look at. So you'll get a flavour for that in the single game week, which is good. Um, and the other thing, as I mentioned again, is their draw post um, post double game week. Two games against the Strikers, then the Renegades and the Heat. So they've got four <laughs> juicy ones. 
um, straight after that. So if you've got them in, um, you know, and and you're not just getting them in for 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 the sake of the double game week, um, they are some guys that you can potentially just just sort of set and forget in your in your team for the rest of the season. But look, won't begrudge anyone who jumps on Perth um, ahead of their double. They've got the sixes and then into the bye uh, after their double game week um, straight after. Mm. Love it, mate. Hey, boys, we'll wrap that up for this week's podcast. Huge effort to get one out uh, in between the busy Christmas and New Year period, especially with new bubs around and all sorts of things going on in the world, Boxing Day test distracting us and whatnot. Uh, so, Fish, thank you very much, mate. We'll speak to you again before the end of the season, but, mate, we're riding your uh, your rise to the top every single week. Awesome. Thanks, lads. Been great. And Maxi, sensational as always. Thanks, Timmy. Thanks, Fish. Cheers to all the listeners as well. Cheers, guys. Thanks for tuning in.